Welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is the place to connect to who you truly are. We're bringing PhDs, experts, and leaders to help you elevate your mindset in your work life and in your love life so that you can see things differently and truly love your world. I'm Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, author, and TEDx speechwriter and booker, and I'm excited to bring you in to this week's episode. My friends, it's time for a U-Turn podcast throwback episode with Danette May, a dear friend, a special human, someone who is very sharp at business, very resilient, very connected to Mother Earth, to ancient practices, to Aboriginal tribes. Danette is someone who is deeply curious, and I'm really excited for you to relive this episode, episode 31 from four or five years ago, all about how to bounce back from rock bottom. If you read my book, U-Turn, you know that I think rock bottom can be very sacred. Obviously, I'm not here for you to be living on rock bottom, but I do think it's a place where we can only go up and we have a lot of questions that we can get answered. Uh, So I just want to encourage you to check out this episode wherever you are um, and to reflect. I'm sending lots of love. Hey, everybody. It's Ash, and I'm here with Danette May, who is the best-selling author of the book The Rise and the founder of I Rise Organics. And I figured she would be the perfect person to talk to you about how to bounce back from rock bottom because there's so many times in life that we hit rock bottoms and different versions of it for us. And I know that she has some incredible feedback for you to get unstuck from that. Um, But before we go any further, Danette, thank you so much for being here. No, I'm excited to be here. I've been wanting to connect with you, Ashley, for the longest time. I know. I'm starting to see all my friends like jamming with you. And I'm like, gosh, I want to be in with this woman. Like who you look like you're having such a fun time with everybody I love. (laughs) I usually am always having a pretty good time. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Well, I'm curious to hear. I mean, most people who have massive success didn't at some point. And I think we live in a world where there's so much success projected that I'm curious to kind of hear when there was a time where maybe you lost it all or you found that rock bottom and what got you there, like what your story was of getting there. Yeah. And I actually want to say that hitting rock bottom is actually your gift. It's your opportunity. And we can call it hitting rock bottom, ground zero, refiner's fire. And I I love the word refiner's fire because it makes me think of like molding glass, right? And how you need the fire in your life to really mold into the beautifulness that you are capable of. And for me and for most people listening, we've hit this refiner's fire. Or if you haven't, you're going to because it's your opportunity. It's where you get to strip Um, what no longer serves you so that you can rise into your fullest expression. And for me, my refiner's fire has hit in different moments. And about seven, eight years ago, I lost my son um, and I found myself running through massive depression because of the loss of my son and really navigating for the first time what depression really feels like. For Mm -hmm. three months, I didn't leave my home. And that was a true rock bottom for me. But what happened in that rock bottom was 
this unlayering in my relationship, right? It's like all of a sudden I was stripped from trying to be the pleaser of everyone because I was in my depression. Mm. But I started really starting to see the lies that I was telling myself, the lies within my relationship at the time, and found myself in another rock bottom. As we all know, that can happen. It's like you think you're there and then you're like, well, I guess I can go a little lower. (laughs) I guess things could get a little more shitty until they get better. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it was, I found myself at that point as a single mom, we found our money through the couches and drawers of our home. Our bank accounts had been stripped and had $47 to my name. That was this really big aha moment for me. And all of it was a culmination of me stripping into my true character, me really finding out what things really was helping me grow and just get through that ultimately my mess became my message. And, um, I'm so grateful now for it. But during that time I was in massive chaos. Okay. And when you say massive chaos, like what did that look like for you? (laughs) The analogy that I had for me, and I always felt like this because I would listen to Napoleon Hill at this time. Like, and that is the number one advice I'm going to give everyone is like, find someone to listen to. I didn't have two pennies to rub together. So I wasn't going to go to any conference or hire a coach or even get counseling. I never even could afford a counselor. So I would listen to different inspiring speakers or leaders on YouTube. And Napoleon Hill would say out of chaos comes equal or greater good, because I literally felt like I was in this washing machine and someone had shut the door on me and I'm like rolling around. I can barely get any air because I'm getting sucked with water. Every time I think I got, could get out, I'd get sucked in and tumbled around. And I was just waiting to like push that door open and catch my break and catch my breath. Mm. (laughs) That's what my chaos looked and felt like. And I think a lot of people, they see all of the success out there. And the assumption is like, this is simply a successful person. And what I'm finding is that the successful people are able to face so much failure and keep moving. So what do you think it is that kept you moving and motivated? Because I found that when I've had down and outs for myself, um, sometimes I kind of just want to give up and I don't, and I can't, you know, like I have to keep paying my bills. I need to keep moving. And thankfully things have worked out for me so far, but I know that life is short. It's also long, right? Like we, and I, I find that being alive is kind of an achievement. If you think about it, like you need to get a job, you need to go to school, you need to do the work every day to show up and support yourself and learn. And so what is it that keeps you in that state of motion when you're feeling so down? How do you find that other than listening to things? Like what thoughts are going through your mind? There's a lot going on when you're down and out, when you don't have two pennies to rub together and you've got two mouths to feed. There's that, there's a whole story around that. Right. And, and when, then when your family or your friends kind of walk away, cause they think you've gone bad. Oh, that's a whole nother story that's going on in your mind. And I was in all of that. So I get it when people are saying that, but here's the deal. I always ask this question, like, every time I would listen to someone inspiring, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, like it, it inspired me because I knew every person I looked up to had some type of chaos or something that was just so heavy and painful. It seemed like in their past. And I realized that was actually the juice. That was actually the gift was in that pain was in that chaos so that they could rise up to the person that they are today, that we get to look to, that we get to learn from and glean inspiration from 
So that was really where my hope came from was I was like, I cannot be any different than that. There's no way I'm any different than this. Like I get to decide if I'm the victim or I get to decide if I'm the hero of my own story. And thankfully I was able to really pull that inspiration and really look at other people because every single person we all look up to has had some type of massive chaos, rock bottom, massive pain in their life. And that's because that is their gift. When you think about people who have gone through the pain, what do you think the difference is between the people who stay in the pain and the people who rise from the pain? I, that is like a golden question of all golden questions. Cause how, yeah, what makes people like, I think of Tony Robbins, I think of Oprah Winfrey. I think of these people that are bigger names that everyone knows they've had extreme pain in their life, extreme pain. And what made them rise up and why are there some people that have had just the same amount of pain, but are still rolling around in that pain? Yeah. <laughs> and this is a little bit why I wrote the rise, because I think it's, it's this understanding that our vulnerability is our pathway to our self-love. And I'm wondering if the people that are not rising out of their pain are being vulnerable and honest that they are in the pain. Because it's like nobody can support them and they can't even activate themselves if they don't look at it. Right. It's almost a, a sense of denial. And also this non-taking on radical responsibility that they got themselves in that pain. Like I think of some close people that are in proximity to me and they are not really stepping into their full expression, right? They're doing the same thing. They're miserable, the same things year after year after year. And I find it's because they have not been radically truthful with themselves as well as radically, yeah, like stepping into that radical responsibility that I created this, therefore I get to uncreate it. I think also when it comes to people who are in pain and the people who activate, there can become the pain and then the story that they hold about the pain in their mind. Yep. So how did you change your story? Like what were some steps you took? Or I know you'd said one of the first steps was owning the words you say to yourself when you're at rock bottom. So how did you get to that point where you could make new commitments or shift yourself out of the story you were buying into about who you were and what, what you were for not having money and not being able to feed your kids, you know? Yep. I actually had, and, and that's the big question I want everyone to write down. What is the story I'm telling myself right now? If you can catch yourself multiple times during the day with that question, it can radically change your life. So for me at the time, my stories were horrific. I, I tell people on stage all the time. I'm like, the biggest downfall was not that my son passed away. The biggest downfall wasn't that I was a single mom with $47 to my name, barely eating beans and weenies. You know, my biggest downfall was the constant parade of negativity that was going on in my mind. I was constantly saying, I'm a terrible mom. I'm a financial ruin. I'm not going to amount to anything. I have no friends. I have no support. Everyone leaves me. I'm unworthy. I'm not enough. All this constant berating. And one thing that I learned from everyone I looked up to was that they had this same principle, which was affirmations. And, you know, a lot of us can go, yeah, affirmations are not going to put food on my plate. Right. Mm -hmm. But I had nothing to lose. I was in such a state that I knew my brain. I knew the words I was saying was truly not going to get me anywhere. Like it was devastating. And we all know if you say those words, you're just going to feel worse. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like I took time to write a page and a half of all the things I wanted to aspire to. I didn't believe all of them, but I did that work. And then I made another commitment. I put an I am in front of each one of those words or statements. And then I decided that I would non-negotiable when I felt like crap or when my head was running its ragged story, I was going to read this list and it was a non-negotiable. And so that happened quite a bit, like every 15 minutes, some days it was, it was bad, but I was committed to it. When you um, were in that place where you started to write down what you were, I'm so curious, like, What do you think it is that helps people see their story? Because a lot of the times we are so stuck in it that we don't even see what story it is that we are telling ourselves about who we are that keeps us so committed to limitation. I would recommend getting out a pen and paper and look around your home because your home is a reflection of the stories you're telling yourself. So write it down. Like, What is that story that's coming out through the example of your home? Now take your closest five people that you hang out with or spend time with. Now you're going to definitely see good in them, but how are they really perceived in the world? Because you are the sum of the five people you're hanging out with. So really write that down because these are actually the unlayering of your story. What's your bank account like? Because whatever your bank account is like is most likely your money story. Mm. Um, what's your relationship with your health? How are you show? What's your body look like? Right? Look down at your body. Just take a minute and see and take an assessment. How do you feel? Are you achy? Are you low? on energy and be really honest about your health story Mm. from that standpoint today. And here's the, here's the piece is it doesn't mean just because you're writing it down means it's always going to be your story. I think so many people are so afraid to like really unlayer this part because it feels almost too like solidified. But if you don't do that, you can't change it. <laughs> you can't get honest. You can't change it. So I, I really highly recommend doing that. When it comes to owning the words you say to yourself, so it's like, let's t- say somebody who's listening right now feels like they're in some level of a rock bottom for themselves. And they look around their house. They think about the five people they hang around and they write the story they're telling themselves about who they are. What are some ways to get to words that they would want to own to say to themselves? Like, how do they get to that point from their story? So you would take that piece of paper that you just did. So you would break it into those categories, money, relationships, health, um, career, right? Are you doing anything that lights you up? Are you having any fun? Like literally look at the truth, those relationships, your intimate relationships, your friends, um, and, and write it all down. And some of it's going to be a hard pill to swallow. Some of you are going to be like, Oh my goodness. And then you get to take those exact statements. And if you're not resonating with it and you want it to shift, then you get to write the opposite. So for example, if back in that time, I was like, Oh, $47 to my name, I've got a client coming up who might pay a package for a thousand dollars. I am broke as a joke, right? Like I could write that down, right? I'm like, wow, I am so far from doing anything fun at this point. I'm, I'm barely can buy groceries just to feed my girls. This was my reality. So I would write that down and then I would write the opposite. I would be like, money is flowing into my life, whether I'm working, sleeping or playing. I am abundant. It could be as simple as that. 
I am enjoying all the things that light me up effortlessly with enough abundance to cover food, lodging, and all the fun times. Like I would go into those in depth statements, opposite of that one statement. So this is not like an easy 20 minute task. This might take you an hour to an hour and a half to do this. If you really want to get to the truth and then unlayer that truth. And then I would take that positive side and I would read it every single day. I mean, I'm just thinking right now for everybody listening who feels like maybe they're at rock bottom and they do this exercise. So they go into their money, they go into their health, they go into their relationships, their romantic partnerships. They write all of the truths down and then they flip them. I'm imagining somebody's feeling like, okay, this feels crazy. I'm just writing like I'm abundant. And then they look around their place and they can't pay the rent or they're not really, you know, they don't really know what to do next, which side note, there's so many episodes on this podcast for people who are trying to find themselves. So I'm I'm sure that those will be helpful. But when you're flipping the switch, like how do you choose which ones to say to yourself every day? Because I'm sure there's like 20 mantras or 30 or affirmations, whatever have you that people could choose from. Well, I'm pretty radical. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not messing around here in my life. And I still do this to this day. Um, I have a two page document that I read every single day. So I guarantee whatever you write down is going to be about a page to two pages. I read it every single morning. Mm. And in the earlier stages, I would have taken that page, like I said, and read it like every 30 minutes, um, at least minimum morning, afternoon, night. And honestly, if you think about it, if you read that and, and even if you don't believe it, but you just take the time to read it, it's going to take you what? three to four minutes. Yeah. So, um, there's power in that. There's so much power in that. And that's such a little risk and a little of time for how much power lies in that. And when they, what about when the day goes on and you know, the other voices float into their head, because I can imagine it's kind of a fine line between empowerment and hearing different affirmations and ping pong where like your brain tells you this, and then you're reading that and you just keep going back and forth. So does it just kind of change naturally in their minds or what happens do you think when people read these affirmations? Well, it's scientifically proven actually that even if you don't believe it, and even if nothing is shifting immediately from saying these statements, what happens over the time is our body and our cells actually go the direction that the mind has told it. That's why the power of words, the power of thought is so important to be looking at because we have found scientifically that whatever you're saying and thinking will end up coming to pass. So there's a statement that says what you focus on expands and it's absolutely true. So granted, you're not going to see things overnight and granted, it's not going to feel like truth. But as you continue to do this every single day, there's so much power. And then you can take it a whole nother level for, for me at the very beginning, I was doing this in a state of funk, right? And you, you hear that you shouldn't repeat affirmations or do visualizations in a state of funk. I'm here to say, do it in a state of funk because that's all you got right now. Like I was in a funk, funk, funk all day long, multiple times a day. And I had to just start there. Right. And, and say it, whether I was in a funk or not. And I was committed to that. And over time, the funk starts to lift and the things start to get a little bit easier. Like things start to go, Oh, Um, that, that job came into my arena, that partner came into my space and you'll start to see things shifting based off these words. And then 
I'm on a whole new phase. Like I will take this list and I will do this after a workout when I'm in a high vibration state. I'll do it when I'm after making love. I take it a whole nother level now. (laughs) Amazing. And do you recommend people even doing an audio, maybe on their voice memo app of their phone so that they can hear it? Or is there something powerful to you about reading it out loud to themselves? Like how do you recommend it looks? Oh, I think either one would be really powerful. If you're an audio person versus a visual person, audio could be very, very powerful for you. Mm-hmm. And I think there's no right or wrong way. Everyone's different in the way that they receive through their senses. And for me, reading was enough, but there have been, I've recorded audios as well, like meditation audios and affirmation audios that I listen to. I'm curious, like, when did you start to see some indicators that things were turning around? Like, how long was it that you were saying these positive affirmations to yourself? until you started to see a lightness in your life and you started to see cracks of light come in that really have guided you to being this woman now with 68 employees, a book deal, a company, you know, like what got you to this place? I want to say this really carefully because I think we can look at a lot of people, like I've heard people's stories where they're like, they all of a sudden were praying and then they had their big break. And I'm like, whoa, that's so not my story. I one minute was high. And then the next minute I was super low. Like it was felt like a constant, like yo-yoing. And so I say all of this and I'll tell you my journey, but just recognize that yours might look different because if we can get caught up in the expectation that ours should look a certain way, we're going to get really down on ourselves. So for me, mine, it was almost like I, for a full year, I kid you not, like it felt like for a full year, I was just in this washing machine that I talked about at the earlier of the show. And I was like, I cannot freaking get a break. And I just held on to the hope of Napoleon Hill's word that out of this chaos, equal or greater good will come. And I just kept doing my affirmations. I would get into movement. I would make sure I ate something healing, like a superfood each day. Like I was like, I owe it to myself. And I stood in that for a good year. I felt like it was like, wow, I don't, I'm just going to trust. And I would think about that plant that you would see on videos that would, they would talk about the, the, the plant as manifestation, right. And it's trying to grow, but it hasn't come out of the soil yet. And before you give up on that plant, just know it's coming. So I would just visualize that and I'd be like, it's coming, like it's coming. But mine took about a year. And then it seemed like everything opened up at that point. It's like the relationships, the business partners, the, the idea, people grabbing a hold of the idea, the first employee, then the second, and then it's just been a rocket ship since. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Job Offer Academy, our e-course to help you land a new job you love. So if you're sick of applying for jobs and never hearing back, and you'd like to try a free version of our job hunting course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash job offer. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash job offer. Now let's get back to this week's episode. When you think about these moments where you get activated, I'm curious, before this really came, were you living on credit cards or how are you supporting yourself in this year-long transition? Because I think a lot of people right now who are going through financial stress, it's a very real pill to swallow of like, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent this month. So did you move in with a friend or how did you get through it? Yeah. And this is why I think it's my gift because I got really gritty. I call myself the duct tape girl and I'm so proud of that. Like I've watched myself be really gritty and duct tapey in everything I do, which I believe creates a new edge for me. But so I grew up with this belief that credit cards were bad. So 
that wasn't even an option in my mind. I look back on that now and I'm like, oh, that could have just been a lot easier. <laughs> but, um, or just ask somebody for help. I just went a really hard route. I didn't use credit cards and I had so much pride that I didn't, I felt so ashamed at where I was that I didn't want anyone to know. So that was a, that was a big downfall because I didn't have to do it as hard as I did. But for me, I sold everything. Mm. Literally, that's why I was sleeping on the floor. I had no cable. I used um, tinfoil for antennas to get two channels, one being the PBS channel. So my daughter could watch Curious George so I could work and, and create the programs that I actually use today. I was doing that at night. Um, I didn't have a computer, so I found a computer in the dump and it hummed like a machine and it literally would, it, if you jangled it just a little bit, you lost everything. And if it took like 20 minutes to power up, it was insane, but I was so committed. And two of my books that we've sold over 300,000 copies of were written on that computer. Mm-hmm. Um, I used the Wi-Fi through the walls of my neighbors. So I asked them for the code and then I told them, I said, can I use it occasionally? I don't have money for Wi-Fi. I did that. Um, I actually found a girl who, cause I was trying to train clients just to make, get enough money. I got really lean. I didn't eat a lot. And I was really careful to make sure my kids had the food that they needed. And then I asked this girl who needed a place to stay, if she would live in my basement in exchange to watch my kids in the morning. So it was just an exchange. She got a room and a bathroom in exchange. to, And she was a great person. So she was a huge blessing, but that's how gritty I was willing to be. And for everybody listening right now, who is maybe like in credit card debt, trying to get by and they have those friends who are like, let's go out, let's go do something. How do you talk about yourself and your reality in a way that still feels empowered because I hear that you got really gritty and you had two kids. And I know a lot of women listening or, you know, evolved men too, who are listening. Um, they're probably thinking like, I don't even know how to tell the world about this. Cause you were saying one of the biggest issues is not owning where you are or not sharing where you are. So how do you even communicate it in a way where you're not keeping yourself there in that negativity? Yeah. You have to be very careful with your words. You can't be like, I'm broke as a joke. I'm doing terrible. I'm sleeping. You know what I mean? You have to be careful with your words because you're just going to call more of it into your life. I call it my gift also because I had pushed so many people out of my life. I obviously didn't have cable. Um, and so all I listened to, I didn't listen to any voices of anyone at the time. I wasn't going out at all. So that wasn't a problem. I wasn't having conversation with anyone and I would listen only to uplift. Literally I would type in motivation or uplifting in the search button on YouTube. And that's all I listened to. And this was my reality for a year. I mean, when I got married again for the second time, my husband could not believe he's like, you've not watched that movie, that movie, that movie, that you've not been to the movie theater. What, what did you do for a whole, like, what have you been doing? I'm like surviving. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. like, I hadn't watched any shows and I know that's not everybody's path, but it's truly been this big gift for me. I mean, it was a gift for me. So if you are going to go out with people, just say, I'm creating my abundance. That's what I'm doing. Um, 
I am <laughs> not where I want to be at this moment, but it's coming or something like that. Use that kind of language. Got it. Okay. That's fun. I love how you said, but it's coming. Um, and you know, it's so interesting. I think that our worthiness can be such a pendulum, right? Because even with me, with my book deal, it's like one day an editor is writing back and saying, Hey, Ashley's too vulnerable in this. We love her book, but we're going to pass the next day. Other people are like, wow, this vulnerability is so inspiring. Readers are going to love this. We want to meet with her in New York and talk about this book deal. So it's like, even for me as a business owner, I experience my worthiness and I try my very best not to tie it to my achievements, but how have you kept yourself so separate from your output? And what do you think it was that got you inspired to put so much more out? Because even though you worked hard and you did all of these exercises, sometimes I find that it's easy to kind of just check out and be like, this is too hard and I don't even want to do any of this. Something that I've done and continue to do is, and I mentioned to you before the call is the soul writing, which I believe has kept me so clear on what I am meant to do on a soul level that I don't actually care if anyone likes what I put out or they do like it. It doesn't matter to me because all I am in is in contract with my soul. I'm not in contract with any publishing house. I'm not in contract with anybody who wants to do business with me. I'm truly in contract only with my soul. So it's interesting because I uh, got asked to go speak in Africa, right? Like for Nelson Mandela's party and all these celebrities are going to be there. It's in his home. And I'm like, Oh, like the ego gets excited, right? Like the egos. But then I was like, my soul goes, make sure that if you're speaking and you're connecting these people and getting them grounded, that they only ask that they're only taking money from these celebrities for a cause you believe in, because you will get them so cracked open that they will open their checkbooks and you will not show up and you will not be in that presence. Even if it sounds all juicy to you, if it's not for the right cause and that's getting into your soul's knowing. And I'm so clear on that, that it makes everything so much easier. Right? So even my book that I just did, I knew maybe people wouldn't like it or I knew like, but it's like, I only did it because my soul asked me to mm -hmm. end this discussion. I don't have to worry about the rest. So tell me about soul writing for everybody listening. I know that you gave us the exercise of putting the paper into four quadrants and writing about relationship money and all of these results that we're looking at right now and flipping the script on it. But what, what do you, what does it look like when somebody wants to start getting connected to their purpose and get more in touch with their soul? Like what is a step that they could take? Okay. So I do, um, I'll tell you what I do on in the daily, which is called soul writing, but I do want to say we, I told you about those four quadrants, which everybody needs to do because you need to get truthful with where your belief systems and your story is today and where you're going. Another thing I do is each year I take three full days to truly dream map. And I call it dream mapping because I write out everything I want to create with no holds bars. Right. And then that's actually what I read every day at this point now, which is about two pages. So I'll read it for the whole year and watch as everything unfolds. Um, but soul writing is this space in between that space, if that makes any sense. So this is where, cause dream mapping, I'm not necessarily touching in with my soul. I'm like dreaming really big. And some of it could be mixed with ego or just ideas or dreams. Right. But I'm writing it regardless. Soul um, time is every morning. I literally sit down with pen and paper. I use a journal and I write down at the top of the page, what would you have me know? And I go with the intention that my soul, and you could call it your higher self. You can call it God. I don't know. Everyone has a different language for it and it doesn't really matter. It's just, you're tapping into a 
higher knowing, a higher vibration of who you are. And you're asking, what would you have me know? And then truly just writing whatever comes up and you will be shocked because it's weird stuff that comes up and it's, it's random and you can't judge it. You just have to let it come out. And then as I continued to do this, I could get really specific, like, what would you have me know about my daughter? Or what would you have me know about this hire that I'm looking at for this on our executive team? And I literally will watch as my pen will just write stuff that is not really coming from me in my conscious brain. It's coming from a deeper place. And I have to say that that soul writing, doing that every day, and I don't put a time limit on it. I don't I don't have any rules around it other than I love doing it. And I do it in the morning because I'm like, sometimes I have a whole page. Sometimes it's like two sentences. It doesn't matter to me. It's just interesting what comes up because I will go to my husband and be like, this came up and I'm wondering if you need me to talk to you about this. And he'd be like, how did you know? And another one back before our business 10 X, I was like, we're supposed to do Facebook lives and run ads to it. And my husband was like, what? And I was like, yep, film me. We're going to do a smoothie recipe that Facebook live got 8 million views. And then since then we've been doing 24 million views. It like took our business to a whole nother level. So this is the kind of stuff that will come up in soul writing. And so you just honor, you just take what you feel and honor what comes up. And how do you pick what you're going to go with and what you don't, right? Because I think my soul, if I did soul writing every morning and I wrote at the top of the page, what would you have me know? My guess would be it would have some wisdom for me, like to talk to me about things that I'm worried about. And then it would also have some actionable insights or ideas. So how do you pick which one you go with? Because your soul is such a special soul. It has so much to say. How do you choose? (laughs) I think it obviously has a lot to say, but just trusting the intention that it's not going to say too much that you can't swallow. Right. But also just going, okay, what's, what's the one that's vibrating within me that sounds out right to go towards. And some of it, you just are asking, like, should I just trying it? Like for me, like running a Facebook ad to a live video, right. Just trying it, seeing what comes of it, um, asking your partner, maybe even going to that, say like, you're going to do a big hire with this executive person on your team and going, Hey, I'm wanting to ask some deeper questions to you. Can I have open up that conversation? You might unlayer some new things that you didn't know when you were initially hiring them. Mm-hmm. Um, so stuff like that will come up. So like just yesterday I did some soul writing and I was like, Oh, okay. You want me on social media for 10 minutes a day only. Cause I'm on more than 10 minutes. And it was like, and get under the stars every night and watch the stars for 10 minutes. And I was like, okay, that's random. (laughs) And it was like, and and have, and make more love, like have more orgasms. (laughs) You have such a great soul. You're like a girlfriend, but it's like, okay, like I'm going to go honor this. I'm going to go try this on because I don't know what's coming from it. You're like, you go up to your husband. You're like, we need to look at the stars and we need to have more orgasms. And I did. I went to him last night and I was like, are you open to me? Just cause you know, you make love to connect, but I'm like, are you open to just do this? Cause I need more orgasms. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. What a great lady. (laughs) Sure. Whatever you need, girl. Okay. Perfect. And so (laughs) Kind of going back to the steps we talked about early, you said owning the words you say to yourself, so evaluating them in that exercise, flipping the script, and then the second step you had to bouncing back from rock bottom was getting into movement. And I know you kind of touched on this, but I'm curious what this could look like for someone, because I think there's a lot of women out there, especially like me, where I'm kind of fair weather exerciser. Like I'll probably work out three to five times a week, but maybe some weeks three, maybe some weeks five, maybe some weeks an hour, maybe some weeks 20 minutes. Like I'm not very committed. And so 
what does it look like for you to A, get into movement? Why do people need to do it? And how do people figure out how that could look for them? Well, first off, Ashley, because you just shared your rhythm with us, that's actually beautiful rhythm. And I think it's just your expectation of you that you feel like it has to be more regimented or longer or more duration of days. Because ultimately, if you're working out three to five times a week, you're in a good sweet spot. I'm more talking to the people that are not working out at all during the week, or they're only doing it one time a week. So anything less than three, you're not going to be able to tap into. And I'm, I'm using the word soul. You can use the word God, higher self, higher power. I don't care what words you use. I'm going to use the word soul. Um, because what we know with movement is nothing shifts your state more than movement. So it actually is like clearing out the cobwebs of your soul. It puts you in touch with a higher vibration so that you will have more clarity, less brain fog. I mean, we know on a scientific level, this is all going on, but on like a metaphysical or spiritual level, we know too, no one ever gets done with the workout and goes, I have less energy. I feel worse about myself. I have all these dramas, right? They, they actually feel more clear, more light, more grounded, more energized. Um, and so we know this about ourselves. So it's, it's so important to make sure, cause I guarantee there's a correlation with how many days you're working out a week to the direction of the goal of your life, right. Mm -hmm. For anything that you're accomplishing, if you're not working out, you're not accomplishing a lot. I have a great feeling about it, or you're at least not feeling very grounded in it. You're feeling very overwhelmed. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, I didn't work out when I created my webinar funnel that ended up scaling and creating a lot of financial success, but I definitely was not grounded. Like I was just completely blinded by work addiction and wanting to get something out there and working out felt like it was in the way. What are, what are some suggestions you have? Because I know everybody knows that they could go to a spin class or, um, but do you have any interesting suggestions? for how people could maybe get some movement that don't feel so workouty for the ladies who are listening who are maybe like, I don't really want to push myself, you know, in the typical workout ways. You don't have to. So that's a, that's a brule. I vision my good friend calls this them bullshit rules, brules. <laughs> you have to work out certain ways um, to get a certain result or for it to be good enough. And that is so made up. And we get these stigmas because every gym around the world, they have hour workouts. Like somehow an hour workout's the magic number. That's so made up, so made up. And, and then also that these popular workout regimes like hit or spin or like soul cycle or even, um, Zumba or whatever yoga is like the right way to do it. It's like whatever lights you up is right. And it doesn't need to be, it can be 10 minutes. It can be 20 minutes. It can be an hour. It can be an hour and a half. Like whatever you feel good to is the right thing. So do what does, you know, float your boat, go for a hike, go for a swim, go for a spin, go for a class. Don't go for a class. Like just move your body. That's the thing is it's like move your body with intention because you're wanting to tap in more. Mm, beautiful. And, or just like turn up Alexa and dance in your apartment. Up totally. And down. Totally. That's yes. amazing. And when you said getting into movement, there's so much science to it. What science can we share with everybody listening? Because I know I'm a, I'm a numbers person. And when somebody gives me data, for some reason, it activates me. What data or personal experience do you have where movement really has shifted things for you? Um, well, we do know that um, movement, when I say movement, it's like 
we can use the word exercise. Um, anything longer than 10 minutes reduces anxiety and actually can reduce anxiety by 100% for those who have chronic anxiety. That's huge stats. For those of you who have mild anxiety, they're saying that it could be up to 40%. So I, I don't know about you guys, but I deal with anxiety quite a bit sometimes, you know? And so I know that if I go out in nature and I go for a hike or I do a workout, it's way more manageable mm. so that I get to own that power. The other thing we know is it helps with depression. So for those of you who deal with maybe feeling lonely, feeling low on energy, feeling like in that fog, that brain fog, get into movement to uplift that. Um, you know, there's, we know these things. It's just, why do we battle the knowing of it? Why do we just not do it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would that's... so rather work out for 20 minutes and not like it than deal with depression and anxiety. Oh my gosh. Yeah, definitely. And when you talk about incorporating superfoods, which was your third recommendation, so owning the words you say to yourself, getting into movement and incorporating superfoods into your brain and into your health, um, what superfoods do you love? What can everybody start to think about? As This is especially relevant for me. Like I just found out I have a ton of allergies and I've been learning how to eat differently so that I can get rid of the brain fog. So I'm super curious for everybody listening who has anxiety or brain fog or just feels discouraged or depressed, what superfoods have been game changers for you? Well, I actually created one and I'm not really doing a plug. It's kind of like I am, but I'm not. Yeah, no, plug it out. <laughs> but hey. I created it because I was noticing it changing my life. I've been doing it for two years. And so then I had to create a product around it. But anyone could go and make it. Like I even have the recipes on my blog. Like you could go make it other than buying my product. But basically raw cacao, like raw, raw cacao infused with like turmeric, lacuma, mesquite. These are all superfoods and um, MCT oil. You drink that in the morning and set an intention to it. Oh my goodness. So what happens is cacao, we all know this from a scientific level, raw cacao has more antioxidants than blueberries. It has so many more nutrients than most of the like superfoods we hear about. But you want to get a really good organic raw cacao, preferably ceremonial grade, which only means that instead of putting it into a factory to heat up, they lay it out in the sun and let the sun kiss it and heat it up, which makes it really, really powerful. So um, I take this raw cacao, and what we know is that it contains a chemical that only two foods in the world have, which is called anandamide. And anandamide is what gives you bliss. Anandamide is what's produced in the body when you're like with a lover or you're just feeling this euphoria. And anandamide is released when you drink cacao. It contains anandamide and it opens up your heart. And then it also opens up your focus and reduces anxiety and cravings. So it grounds you and opens you up at the same time. It's next level. Wow, that's so interesting. I'm sure. Where can everybody go or what can they Google to find your recipe on that? Um, go to getcacao.com. Okay. Um, or yeah, getcacao.com. Go there and you can learn all about it. But yeah, you can just mix it yourself if you don't want to buy it. But we definitely source everything organic and ethically because that also matters in your body, right? All of that energetic matters inside your system. So if you want to operate at a really high level and create really epic stuff in the world, then make sure you're consuming really epic stuff. Mm. It makes a difference. And can you spell it? Cacao, C-A-C-A-O. Okay, so great. get 
cacao, C-A-C-A-O.com. Wonderful. That is so fun. I think a lot of people are going to go over there and try to make some sort of drink elixir in the morning so they can get lit like you have. I'm curious, (laughs) like, what was the moment that things started to change for you, Danette? Because I have a sense that you were writing your affirmations, you were speaking them to yourself, but there must have been some moment of insight during your soul writing or some idea that really just gave you energy. Cause what I've found for me, and maybe this isn't the case for you, but for me, it's like momentum creates momentum. Right. And so sometimes when we're stuck, it's like one brilliant thing will come through and we'll follow it. And it gives us such great results that we feel activated to create more in the world. So what insight or moment was it for you that you felt like you're, you started to get out of that rock bottom experience? Yeah, I don't have a moment. I don't have a moment. I know people want to hear that. It's, it's, It's like an every day, these three small hinges every day of my life. I take three non-negotiables, three rituals, and I do them. And I think what happens is everything starts to snowball. It's like you build up this snowball and it's like there's no really big break because it's still going down the mountain because you're doing the work. But then it just starts getting speed and, and everyone starts to then look at you and go, oh my gosh, everything just seems to fall in place for you or things look really easy for you. And it's like... It is easier now. Like it's 10 times easier now, but I had to pack the snowball. I have to do the three movements that are the things that we just talked on this call, three, the three things every single day to keep the snowball going. Mm, I love it. I am so excited for everybody who's listening to start doing this exercise and even, you know, get creative, whether they do the audio on their audio file of their phone and listen to themselves with the affirmations. Um, what parting words do you have for anybody listening uh, or recommendations for them beyond everything we spoke about? Because you sound like you have so much wisdom. And I know, obviously, reading your book, The Rise, is going to be really amazing for everybody. But what else? Yeah, you know, I was going to say before you said The Rise, I was going to say my book, I laid it all in there. The things that I hadn't even shared with even my husband, I laid in there. All the tools and the steps I took and all the things we're talking about, but way more is all inside of there. Plus all the juicy (laughs) vulnerability hangover stories I have in there. But ultimately it's getting to an understanding that you are made of the stars. Like you truly to just be walking on this planet and to be alive, you are already a miracle and you just need to unlayer to that remembrance of the miracle. You are the power you are because we need you. The world needs you to show up in that. And it's not about becoming or about getting something or doing something. It's about unlayering to the truth and the essence of who you are. So good. Thank you so much, Danette. And where can everybody find you? Um, you can find me at DanetteMay.com. I think that will get you started. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you're on Instagram, 10 minutes, you can find you qu- quickly on Instagram too, at yep. Danette May. Wonderful. Yep. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, 
and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.